following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Well, good morning. My name is Bruce. My wife Amanda is here with us, and our daughter Belle is downstairs giving the nursery workers a run for their money, I'm sure. Uh, she just turned two in January, so pray for us as we are on the road. Um, we are missionaries going to the country of Gabon, Africa, and that is located right on the equator in the Atlantic coast, so about as far away from snow as you can possibly get. And uh, I grew up in Pennsylvania. My wife grew up in Connecticut. We are a little thankful to be getting away from snow. There's a little secret about the rain. It's a lot easier to shovel. So um, we do appreciate Pastor allowing us to come, and, and we are on our way out to Montana there to present in several of the churches out there. Um, we are called by God himself to then be able to go and to start churches and work with deaf uh, there in the country of Gabon, Africa. So you can forget about the clock because I am called by the Holy Spirit to Gabon. Yes, and the jokes only get worse from here. <laughs> oh, uh, this is not... Sh- 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 we, we have to be in fellowship here. Um. If you have your Bibles, turn in them to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 is where we're going to begin preaching. But before I begin, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to give you a little bit of my own testimony so you know where I'm coming from. And uh, so then we'll get into God's Word and see where God's coming from. And hopefully we'll see where we all are going together someday. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning, this beautiful weather that we have, the lovely freedoms that we have to preach your Word And Lord, as though we have noticed in the years uh, past, some people don't like us to have this freedom, but I'm still grateful we have it. And so, Lord, as long as you'll give it to us, let us take advantage of the time that we may come together, study your word, hear it, apply its truths to our hearts and our lives, and we may go forth as bold witnesses for you in this lost and dying world. We ask that people here would be changed and not simply challenged by the messages that are preached, and that they would go forth and proclaim your name, that you would receive the honor and glory for it all one day. And it is in your name, Jesus Christ, the Savior, who died on the cross for us all, we ask these things. Amen. I grew up in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. It's known for two things. One, Little League World Series, and it was the home of the shop vac. Um, So from a very early age, I guess you could say, we had the mission field in our backyard. Every year, the Little League World Series would have uh, Williamsport Welcomes the World, where the national or the global tournament or whatever is held, where Japan would inevitably cheat. And we would be able to go on those grounds and give out gospel tracts. Um, It was wonderful to do that. Um, It was a little difficult because you didn't know if the people were going to be speaking English like you printed your tracks in. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, a lot of the world actually speaks English, and a lot of the people that would come for the tournament could at least speak it. So God knows we we just put our best foot forward and left left the rest up to God. Um, When 2001 happened, the, the Twin Towers and all that transpired there, one of the things that changed was the Little League World Series grounds during the month of August becomes international territory. Now, what does that mean is you do not have your rights as an American sovereign in those grounds. That's a little strange, isn't it? You're not allowed to give out gospel tracts on Little League property during the month of August. They don't like that. It can get you in trouble. Is there there an international court that you're going to be held to? No, but they're just going to cause a fuss anyway. So we were beginning to wonder, well, here's one of our great mission fields right in our backyard. What are we going to do? 
a gentleman in our church who is the commissioner for the Challenger League, he said, well, everyone that comes to the Little League World Series now has to go through some checkpoints. And so what you can do is you can stand outside of the grounds at those checkpoints where everyone has to go by and just hand out gospel tracts there. And you know what it did? It just bottlenecked the whole operation for us. So we could stand out there during the, all the Little League World Series and just give tracks to everyone going in and out. And then you didn't have to wonder, did everyone get a track or not? Because you knew. Um, we have Williamsport Welcomes the World. We are sent out of Tabernacle Baptist Church. And where our church is located is right in, on the parade grounds for the Little League Welcomes the World Parade. So we have gospel tracks that will have the, um, on the inside, they'll have all the games. And on the back, it'll have Plan of Salvation. And then we do that because if they give them, if you just give them a gospel track, sometimes they'll just throw it away. But if you give them something that they'll want to keep for the rest of the month, they'll hold on to it. And as long as they're holding on to it, they've got that gospel right there in their pocket if the Lord so chooses to use that. And we give out about 10,000 of those on the first night of the parade. Um, so God is, is blessing there, and we do pray that those sort of things continue, even throughout the whole COVID confusion things that are going on. So do pray that those doors for witnessing continue. Um, but I was, I was there in Williamsport, and when I was a senior in high school back in 2007, uh, I felt that God had wanted me into missions. I was saved when I was seven years old. I got involved in, church, uh, I got involved in the church bus, soul-winning efforts, and all those different things. And I felt God call me into missions. And so here I am. I'm getting ready to go into Bible college. I thought, I'm going to be the only missions major in college that doesn't know where God's sending him. Um, for those of you who don't know, just because God calls you into the mission field doesn't mean he's going to immediately tell you everywhere you're going to go. Um, but you have to be willing to follow him wherever he does lead you. So I did. I laid the world, uh, a map of the world out on my desk at home, and I just prayed over that map. I said, Lord, wherever you'll send me, I want to go. And you'll have to take me, you'll have to provide all those different things, but I will go wherever you send me, be it China or India or South America or Africa, Asia, the islands of the Pacific. Um, I didn't really want to go to Antarctica because I'm not sure the penguins are included in Mark 16:15. Um, suffice it to say, I was just willing to go wherever. Um, I, I do believe that as long as God wants to get you there, there really are no closed doors. But sometimes he does use open and shut doors to guide us in our way. So I just prayed. And praying that night, God directed me to the small country of Gabon, Africa. I didn't know the country existed prior to praying that night. And so I kind of thought to myself, maybe this is the tacos I ate speaking to me and not the Holy Spirit. Uh, you laugh, but you've all been there. You're like, oh, I'm going to make a decision. You're like, oh, that was, that was supper. Um, but, you know, so I'm like, okay, Lord, do you really want me to go to this place? And time after time after time again, I'd be putting my foot in my mouth because God would show me, yes, I want you to go here. Yes, I want you to go here. Yes, I want you to go here. And it's at this time that God kind of interwove a second part of the ministry, which I didn't really realize was going to become part of my ministry. And that was the deaf ministry, working with deaf people. I worked at the Bill Rice Ranch in high school, and it's a summer camp down in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And when I went down there to work, I didn't realize that half the staff there were deaf. Uh, it started as a deaf camp for, it started as a Christian camp for deaf children, is what it started out as. And just more hearing kids would come more and more and more, so that kind of overshadowed the deaf ministry there. Suffice it to say, I went there and they said, well, how many of you know sign language? And of the 26 of us boys that had come to start working, and none of us raised our hands, 
And they said, well, okay, how many of you at least know the alphabet? None of us raised our hands. And they said, this is going to be a fun summer for you. Uh, you're going to learn sign language, you're going to learn the sign language alphabet, and then you're going to work with deaf people. And it really was fun. I was taught by a Jamaican. There are things I can sign that I'm not allowed to sign in the United States. Uh, just, they don't translate over very well. So he taught us, like, brother in Christ. All right? So I don't go around to deaf ministries and sign that. Um, we do believe that if you have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, and that is complete, it is full and complete, you are my brother, my sister in Christ. We do believe that. We don't sign, brother. <laughs> we don't do that. That's, that's Bapticostal, Pentabaptist, that, that's not us. So, I learned sign language, and then I go back and I'm getting ready. I'm like, okay, well, I'm called to be a missionary to Gabon, Africa. I know this. God has proven this to me. He has shown this to me time and time and time again. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go to Bible college. I get to Bible college and uh, Dr. David Townsley there at uh, Central Baptist, he says, look, if you're going to be part of this college, you're going to, do, you're going to be part of our, our church ministries and such. He says, you need to be involved in a ministry. Choir and orchestra don't count. If you can sing, if you can play, great. Do it for the glory of God, but you need to be involved in a ministry that gets you out there speaking and talking and dealing with people, which is great advice because some of us would tend to be hermits. Um, unless you live in North Dakota, apparently everyone's a hermit in North Dakota. Um, I'm, I'm teasing pastor from last night. But so I, I applied for different types of ministries that they had. Um, I tried the jail ministry. My paperwork didn't go through. So I hid from the cops the rest of my years in college. Um, I looked around and I saw that they had a deaf ministry. It was the first time I ever saw a deaf ministry in a church. All right. I, I'd worked in a summer camp where we dealt with deaf, but this is the first time in a church setting we have deaf and hearing together. I thought, well, this is very interesting. And so I went over and said, well, can I join the deaf ministry? And the lady up front was ecstatic. She thought, oh, here we have a guy who's ready to take over the deaf ministry. And uh, I, I, I wasn't. Um, but I says, can I join? She says, absolutely. Can you sign? I said, yeah, I can sign. I know about this much. Okay. But because I'm a, because I'm a, freshman in college, I think I know this much. And so she's like, great, you can sign. Can you interpret? I thought, didn't I just tell you I could sign? Isn't that the same thing? And um, I said, of course I can do that. And she looks at me and she says, great, here's the first song for the Sunday morning. You interpret the music for us. And uh, the song was Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Interpreting is very interesting. It's a very interesting uh, job. It's a very interesting profession, one I do not expect everyone to get into. And if you try to say you're going to go work with them, I'm going to try to talk you out of it. Um, simply because you're going to absolutely lose yourself in this ministry. Uh, you, you cannot have pride and be in the deaf ministry. It is impossible. Because um, God will humble you over and over and over again. So I'm thinking, come thou found. Now I understand that what the song is actually talking about is the Holy Spirit coming down and giving you power to overcome the challenges of the day. All right, it's a refreshing spring, daily by day, all those sorts of things. Anyway, um, so I'm thinking fountain because I'm thinking I need to sign exactly what the song says, not what the song is talking about. 
So I'm thinking fountain. I'm thinking around a round object. And you got water shooting out of the center. That's what's in the center of every park, right? I mean, you got this nice, nice circular water fountain. So I draw that up in the sky, and then come now, fount of every blessing. And about that point, I, I begin to notice that the deaf did not see the Holy Spirit coming down and refreshing their soul. What they saw was a, la- a large round object in the sky falling on fire, smashing in the ground and destroying everything. And the blessing to our soul became an apocalyptic song of unequal proportions. And the, the deaf man that was sitting on the front row looks at me, and then he does this. When a deaf person is supposed to give you their undivided attention, because realize when they look away, they can't see you. They don't know what you're doing. So when he thinks it's important not to look at the interpreter, you're in trouble. He puts it down, looks at the interpreter, says, you, replace him now. I found out I didn't know sign language like I thought I knew sign language. I found out I could not interpret very well. And so I had to go through four more years of grueling language studies Um, not just in Greek. Greek was a breeze compared to sign language, let me tell you. Because it's not just your hands. It's your mouth and your eyebrows and your body shifts, and and it's like a full cardio workout. And um, I know you don't believe that looking at me, but it is. And so I go through four more years of that, and I get to a place where I'm able to actually communicate well with some of the deaf. That's great. Um, I'm able to interpret and get about 50% of what the pastor is saying. That's great. Hey, most people only get about 70 to 80%. If we do 70 to 80, you're doing great. That's just the nature of interpreting. Um, And I'll talk a little bit about that if time permits. Um, But I got involved in the deaf ministry. I got to speak at the American School for the Deaf in West Hartford, Connecticut. And these are not bastions of moral stability or of Christian uh, doctrine of any stretch of the imagination. It is a purely secular school for, the, for deaf. And uh, the problems that they have there are, are worldly and right. But I got to speak to a group of, of kids from a Christian class and a Catholic class and, and some others. And so the topic that I was given to speak about was prayer. Now, how many of you know the song, Jesus Loves Me? How many of you know what that song's actually talking about? It's easy. Come on, Jesus. How many of you know Jesus loves you? It's not a trick question, folks. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know. Why? For the Bible tells me. Pastor, you've got your work cut out for you. I think, of course, these kids must know that song because every hearing kid knows that song in sign language. Right? Yes, Jesus loves me. We've all seen it. We've probably all signed it. Maybe not all remembered it, but I'm like, so of course the deaf in their own natural tongue must be able to use or know this song. So I thought the foundation of their understanding of prayer life should be that God loves them. Why would you pray to someone or God that does not love you? Why would you think that God doesn't love you and doesn't want a relationship with you? I mean, he showed his love through the death of his son on the cross. So I said, you know that Jesus loves you, right? 
And they just stared at me, like you all do. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, straighten my eyes out, push my eyebrows way up there so they know I'm asking a yes, no question. I say, you know Jesus, God's son. He loves you, right? And a little boy on the front row looks at me and says, no, God doesn't love us. And no one answered to the differ. When I saw that, that is the moment God really broke my heart for the deaf. Here we have children that go through Christian teaching and, and Catholic teaching, and you can debate all that with your pastor until the cows come home. But they're here. They know sign language, and they do not believe God loves them for one reason or another. And so I said, God, you've, you've called me into Gabon. I believe you want me to start churches there and, and ministries there, but, but now my heart is broken over these lost souls and who is reaching them. How many churches do you think reach the deaf? I, can, I could tell you story after story after story of two groups of people. One, deaf that live right next door to a Bible-preaching church, and yet no one in that church has ever made the effort to communicate with them. Or two, deaf that will come into a church and sit there and be faithful month after month after month after month, and they don't get anything out of it because no one communicates with them. And maybe they think, oh, I just see people going to this church. Maybe I get some sort of spiritual merit by going here. They don't, the pastor's preaching. The song leader's singing. Does it bless their soul? Do they have any understanding of what's going on? No. And God just broke my heart over these people. And so I said, God... What do I do? And I went to my sign language class as a senior. And the teacher that we had was not actually a member of the church. We brought a sign language interpreter from outside coming in and teach sign language classes. And so unknowing, unknowing my own plans, unknowing my heart in the matter, she handed out a sheet of paper that said, there are other countries around the world that use the American Sign Language system that was, is used here in this class. Because sign language isn't universal. Every country can have their own sign language. Uh, even if you go down to southern parts of America, you have a different sign language. Um, but the ones that you're learning here in this class, these are some of the countries that use it. And number six on the list was Gabon. So there it was, again, black and white, God saying, go to Gabon, use this ministry. God broken your heart over it. You know, he's directed my paths towards this. So what does that mean for me? Well, there's not a Baptist church anywhere in the country of Gabon. There's not a Baptist missionary anywhere in the country of Gabon. I've been there. I've looked. I've told people that, and they've laughed at me, saying, of course there's got to be someone. It's 2018. It's 2019. It's 2020. We have to have a Baptist missionary in pretty much every country around the world. Well, you don't have it in Gabon, and you don't have it in their neighbor, Equatorial Guinea. Now, Equatorial Guinea is a dictatorship. That's a whole other issue. But Gabon has been open to us. In 2013, my wife and I were able to go and to see the people, to talk with them. Uh, we've gotten to shop on the streets. I've 
I tell people we've been there long enough to run out of our granola bar rations and actually eat the food. Um, it was great. Any, anyone here from Africa? You've been to Africa? Okay. You, have you had fufu before? Fufu? Yeah. I did not know what fufu was, and they served it to me. That was an experience. I have it on video. Uh, we sell it after the... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that, that was an experience. But it was all right. Why? Because I have a heart for these people. God gave me a heart for them. But see, I went there and I saw the deaf, and that was where one of the deaf would come and sit in this church service. And we, there was one lady, I went to a, 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 a not an assembly of God, um, a Christian Missionary Alliance church. Now, understand that they're teaching over there that you can lose your salvation, it's work-based, all these different things. But there was not another church to go to, and I need to see what is the spiritual uh, reality here in this, in this country. Uh, one of the, we were trying to find a church, and I asked the taxi driver in Libreville, I says, do you know of a Baptist church in this city? I think if anyone should know about this town, it should be the taxi driver. And he says, oh, yes, 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 we have Baptist church. We have Baptist church. I said, oh, wow, surprise, surprise. Let's go there. He says, all right, let's go. So he goes down. It was not a, it was not a Baptist church. Um, and the, one of the ways you know is because there's a red carpet going out to the street, and there are people sitting there in the church screaming for demons to manifest themselves. And... Um, there's a little bit of wisdom in the fact that when you have a bunch of Africans all gathered together chanting, demons manifest yourselves, demons manifest yourselves, you as a white-skinned person do not show up when they do that. Just, just take that as wisdom. And um, so we said, no, let's get out of here. Why? Because we don't want to deal with demons. Um, demons are spiritual and physical juggernauts. You do not go picking a fight with them. All right? Um, you want more on that? Ask your pastor. Um, Suffice it to say, look, we are going there to work with the deaf and, and try to start ministries. There's not anyone there. So we are starting a church out of necessity. All right? There are other men. I wish, I wish God would have a team for us when we go there. That would be great. I wish I have a team. But right now, it looks like it's just us. And that's not great. It's great in advertisement. If you're the, if you're the sole proprietor of a company and you have a good, then you're the only one who can sell it. And you don't even need to buy a patent because no one... No, I'm just kidding. That's great. When you're in the ministry and you're sitting there on a foreign field and you're in a foreign culture and a foreign language and you're trying to deal with situations, it's not fun to be alone. So we are still praying, God, we need more workers. We need more laborers. We need more. We need more. We need more. And so I believe that God will, will give us those in time. In 2018, my wife and I have also been able to go to work in Liberia and Ivory Coast uh, there to speak and t to train some of the deaf. Uh, we took some other uh, uh, workers with us that have experience in working with uh, minimal language deaf and others. And those, four, uh, those missionaries who were veterans for 30 plus years on the field in Central and South uh, America, they came to Liberia and they said, these deaf are some of the hungriest we've ever seen. They are like sponges. They can't get enough. And when you spent three or six hours with them, they asked for another six. And they're just hungry, hungry, hungry. And um, so we, we were there working with them, seeing uh, some of the works that can go on there. Um, I say that some of the doors to uh, Gabon for us are partially closed at the moment. God, I know God has called us there. I know he will get us there. Um, 
but God might have us working in Ivory Coast or Liberia, waiting for those doors to open up more fully for us. Um, obviously, COVID and some other things have to be dealt with. Um, they threw three Catholic priests in jail because they met at the chapel. So it's kind of hard to have a church when you try to go clean a building and they throw you in jail. So anyway, um, I'm not saying anything against the Gabonese government. I'm just saying the situation does not look good for us to go and try to start something right now. Um, but we can still be of use and of service to God. So if you still have your Bibles, open to Mark chapter 7. And if you joined us since then, you can open your Bible. And if you have an app on your phone that you're looking, you have to have one that makes the page turning sound. <laughs> All right. That way I know you're still awake and still with us. And, um, and if you're not awake with us, don't sit near a window. It's um, ask your pastor. In Mark chapter 7, looking at verse 31, the Bible says this, And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he, speaking of Jesus, came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they, the crowd that was gathering together, bring unto him Jesus, one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Now, it is very bad when a pastor gets up and says, you need to follow the crowd. Give me grace this morning because there's actually two things you can learn and apply to your hearts and lives and ministries from these unsaved people. All right? The first is each and every one of us knows of someone who needs to come in contact with Jesus Christ. Whether he is a family member, he or she is a family member, um, a distant relative, a co-worker, saw a classmate, an enemy. I, I've dealt, you can deal with people and they say, oh, well, this person needs Christ. Yes, 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 let's deal with him. And I say, well, doesn't that person need Christ? No, he's a mean person. <laughs> yeah, I guess Christ can't help him. How do you expect your relationship with people to improve? Right? All right, so... We all know someone who needs to come in contact with Christ. We all can follow the crowd's example by bringing them to a place where Christ will be. Does, Christ, does God meet with you here every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, and every service in between? I sure hope so. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So you know Christ is here, right? You can bring those people here. How do you do that? Give them a gospel track. Invite them to eat and say, oh yeah, before we eat physically, we're going to eat spiritually. So why don't you just come along with us and your dead soul will actually be able to feast on the manna of heaven and maybe get saved. And Okay, don't scare them like that. But just invite them to come to church and then say, hey, let's, we're going out to eat afterwards. You, guys, you can join us and, and, and make a day of it, right? It's fun. Um, answer some questions and write down what questions you can't answer and then give them to your pastor because... Your workload is going to go like, <laughs> hey, it's great. It's great. Um, you know, you need to bring them here. The second thing that you can learn from this crowd is not only when they brought the deaf man to where Christ was, they went and to Christ and they said, Jesus, will you come and touch this man? Why? Because only, the only hope they have is in Christ. And so you bring people here. You give out gospel tracts. Great. Now go and pray that God will do something in their hearts and lives. Hold your place here in Mark chapter 7. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 5. 
Uh, before we get to 1 John, let's go to uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says this in verse 8, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Basically saying, God is outside of time. We as Americans, we deal with time, especially as Americans, it's got to be on time. My Amazon order was supposed to come yesterday. By 9 o'clock at night, it said online, it was supposed to be here, and they're going to get a bad review. And uh, so... We deal with time, but God's outside of time. He waits. Um, I, used to, I used to study chess, and one of the things that a chess master says is, beware the man who plays the long game. Because everything else, you might say, well, th- God, this doesn't make sense. Why is this happening, or why is this going on, and, and why is this? It's like, God knows. All right, that's what that verse is talking about. He's outside. Don't, don't worry yourself with the day-to-day thing that God's plan changes as a whim. He's, he's in it for the long haul. So verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. What's that? The promise he's coming back. But is long-suffering to us word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. One of the things I get asked as I'm on deputation is just a question on the questionnaires, is that, are you Calvinist? And I quote this verse. They say, well, are you Calvinist? I said, if I was, everyone's saved. Why would I want to go to Africa? Why, really, why do anything then? Oh, well, you're still supposed to serve God. You have to understand what true Calvinism was and what true Calvinism teaches if, if God picks and chooses. And right here, the Bible says that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's compulsory salvation for everybody. So you're a missionary, so I'm not a Calvinist. Why? Because I believe that you have to make that individual choice. All right. So with that in with that in mind, continue turning over to First John, chapter five, looking in verse um, fourteen, I believe is where I want to be. I'll, I'll start in verse thirteen. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, not that we're just picked out of a hat. You've had to believe that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he heareth us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we desired of him. So, these are not trick questions. These are easy. These are underhanded law balls. Is it God's will that everyone come to a place of repentance and trust in Christ. Is that God's will? All right. If you pray that the person that you know that needs Christ, if you pray, God, will you deal with this person so that they come to know you as Savior, does that align with God's will? Yes or no? Yes. So if you pray that, do you have a confidence that God hears that? Absolutely you do. Does that mean that person's going to be compulsed into salvation. God's just going to take him out of his own free will and shove him into the body of Christ and whether he wants to or not. No. But it does mean God's going to deal with that person. 
And you need to trust how God deals with that person. Because he might not deal with him the way you want him to. There was a man, I worked, at a, I worked in the Marcella Shale Project. I worked for a company called uh, Mountain Supply and Service. And at that time, we had a lot of uh, Hispanics that worked alongside us. I don't speak Spanish. No habla espanol. Or as I would often tell them, no habla, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and trying to share your faith with some people that don't speak your language, let me tell you from a first-rate experience, it is really tough. I could not give these people a gospel track in English and have them read it and understand it. But I know what I did do is we had one man, his name was J-Lo, and um, I come to find out a lot of Spanish people call themselves J-Lo, so if you know a J-Lo, it might not be the same guy. Um, so <laughs> don't, don't automatically relate me to him. Um, but there's this man, and he, he was not known for being the nicest guy at our, at our job site. But God burned my heart to try to reach out to J-Lo, and so I went to my pastor, and we got a gospel track, God's Simple Plan of Salvation. They look, they're a little, like, pinkish red and white bottom. They're very common. You kind of see them everywhere. So I got that in Spanish. And um, I, took, so I took that, and I went over to J-Lo, and said, J-Lo, I, I don't speak Spanish. He says, but, but this is in Spanish, and I'd like you to try to read this. And then I quickly beat it because he's not a very nice guy. Um, my knees were knocking. I was not a bold witness at that time. I just said, J-Lo, you, you, God, you have mail. And um, <laughs> J-Lo kind of looked at it, took it, and said, thank you, and, and went about his way. Well, he went home, and I, I had to work there. I worked later in the shop, and so he went home around noon, and at 3 o'clock, he comes back. He's dressed differently. His countenance has completely changed. He says, I understand what this says. He says, I trusted Christ. And it was great. It was bad for all the other Mexicans because they didn't like J-Lo after that. He didn't go to the bars. He didn't go to the parties anymore. He didn't drink with them. He didn't smoke with them. And he would come to me during our work shifts and he'd say, I- I'm struggling. I'm struggling with, with alcohol. I'm struggling with smoking. Pray with me over this. I need to break this. God wants me to break this. And so in what broken English he had and what with absolutely no Spanish that I had, I tried to work with him. But you know what? God took him and moved him out of, out of our work area. The company took him and moved him to, surprise, surprise, North Dakota. Is he still here? I don't know. But I trust that God probably brought him to another Spanish person who believes in Christ and can probably disciple him a lot better than I could. You say, how do you, how do you know that? Why, how do you know that Satan wasn't the one that moved him? Because all things work together for good to them that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. I gave Jalo that gospel track, and if, if he's alive today, I hope he's serving God wherever he is. If he's not alive today, he's in heaven serving, worshiping, praising God up there. And so I say that to say this. You may have a loved one and you want to say, Lord, just touch their hearts, touch their lives, get them to a place where they'll come and trust you as Savior, and God brings some hardship into their life. And you say, God, what are you doing? God knows how to deal with that person better than you do. Trust him. Trust him. 
You say, well, how does how's that tie into this? Well, in Mark chapter 7, if you continue reading, the Bible says that he took him aside from the multitude there in Mark chapter 7, verse 33. See, the, the people were like, just touch him, just touch him, just touch him. Why? Because we've got other blind and deaf and dumb. We've got other people over here you need to work with. Just touch him and go, touch him and go, touch him and go. And Christ says, no, this deaf man, I'm pulling him aside. I'm going to deal with him differently than how the crowd thinks. So, so you crowd, you, you stay over there. I'm going to deal with this person. The Bible says that he put his fingers to his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephtha, that is, be open. And after six weeks of therapy and cochlear implants, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I don't, need, I don't want to read from the New International Version. Um, Verse, verse 35, and straightway his ears were open and the strings of his tongue was loosed and he spake plain. He didn't have a deaf accent anymore. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much more a great deal they published it and were beyond measure astonished, saying he hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Wow, isn't that phenomenal? You know, it would be great if I had a deaf ministry where I could just go touch my ears, touch my tongue, spit, and say, and all the deaf became hearing people. But then I'd be out of a job because I work with deaf and they're no longer deaf. And, um, I do not do that. Because I don't go to the deaf and say, hey, deaf, you have a problem. You have a problem. Because they're going to look at me and they're going to say, yeah, you've got a problem. <laughs> but what do I do? It says, hey, you've got a problem. You've got a sin problem. You've got a heart problem. And God's interested in dealing with that. You say he touched his ears. Yeah, he had a problem. Yeah, he had a problem. Look up to heaven. Why? God is the only answer for your problems. Not the government handout. Not insurance. Not social security. God is the answer. That's why you have all these people walking around the world. Some of them, they think they're rich. And why? They still are afraid and timid. Now, sometimes, you know, you don't, you don't look at Bill Gates and think Bill Gates is afraid, but if you believe the Bible, there's actually terror surrounding him. He's trying to flee from death. He's afraid of it. He's scared. I don't want to die, but I know what happens when I do. All right, I'm going to go to heaven. And heaven's not boring. Some people get this idea, oh, I don't want to get saved because heaven's boring. Who told you that? Who's the one that made the flowers? Who's the one that gave you the ability to in, have pleasure and enjoyment and the food and the sweet fruits and, and all these things? Who's the one that gave us chocolate? <laughs> Save the earth. It's the only planet with chocolate, right? It's like there are things that God has given you to enjoy. All these things God gave you to enjoy. What makes you think that in heaven it's going to be boring? Psalm 16:11 says, At, "In thy presence there is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore." Don't let Satan tell you that sin is the only thing that's exciting and enjoyable. It's not. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. So, from the crowd's perspective, you, there, you have people you know that need to come here, and then you can reach out to Christ because it's in accordance to his will to touch them, and then let God deal with it. Yeah, you can still witness. Yeah, you can still give out more gospel tracts. But let God do his work. You've done yours.
Move on to the next one. Because you know one, chances are you know a lot more. Second part of this, we're actually dealing with the deaf person. There's, there's some interesting things in, in God dealing with this deaf person, Jesus dealing with this deaf person. Notice the first one is the fact that this deaf person did not climb up into a tree where Jesus would pass by. This deaf person could not understand, did not hear the news about Jesus healing the, the man who was the maniac of Gadara a few chapters earlier. He did not hear the gossip in the town square about Jesus bringing a, deaf, uh, a, a dead girl back to life. He did not hear how he had healed a Roman centurion's servant. He did not hear any of this. Why? Because he is simply deaf. Who could tell him? He didn't know who Jesus was. So they bring him to where Jesus is, and the deaf man is still standing there. He's like, okay. I was dragged here against my will. This must be important. I hope I'm not in trouble. He could see Jesus. So, what is Jesus to him? He doesn't know. No one's communicated with him. No one's talked with him. That is the reality for deaf all around the world today. They don't hear gospel preaching on the radio. They walk by stores and churches. They don't hear the gospel singing. You, know, you can turn on a TV or, or you say, well, what if they read a track? The deaf don't read English as a first language. If you can get to know deaf and you look at their Facebook page, you'll understand their English is not our English. They don't understand the same way. We think verbally. They think in pictures. They're visual. And you start to realize when they're visual, you find to realize that a lot of what you might say might come across quite weird to them. It might actually push them away. How many of you have ever asked someone to accept Jesus into their heart? Are you familiar with the phrase? What do you think that looks like to a deaf person? How do you, what do you expect them to think? How about, the, how about what Jesus said to Nicodemus? You must be born again. <laughs> TTY. Or FaceTime. This man's crazy. He wants me to be born again. The mother's like, click and call. How about this one? You must be washed in the blood. Now you're, now they're thinking you're a cult. All right, there's some sketchy stuff going on here in this church. I don't want any part. Now you know what it means to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, right? Your sins be forgiven. You're plunged beneath that flood. It's all gone. Your sins are forever gone. They don't understand it the same way. And for them to come to a place where they understand the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, takes a long time. Usually, as one man put it, it takes about two to four times as long as it would be to discuss it with a hearing person. And that's just the nature of it. It's just the nature of it. You, yeah, you can say, here, read the Bible, but what if, I, what, if I, what if in order to read the Bible you had to learn Greek? And the only Bible you had was in Greek. And your pastor's up here saying, well, just read the Bible. Well, how many of you know Greek? Or German? 
or Spanish. Now I'm getting to more closer. But is that, what if you didn't have an English Bible? What if all the other languages had one, but you didn't? Sign language, you can't have a Bible in sign language. There are groups that are trying, but you're taking something that is definite. And you're trying to take it into an, a field that's abstract and dynamic. We call it dynamic equivalency. When you say, well, what's that? There was a pastor, he, he wanted to, uh, there was a man in college, this pastor knew, and uh, he wanted to break up with his girlfriend, and he didn't know quite how to do it, so he asked his buddy if he could ask his girlfriend to, you know, kind of not see him anymore, because he was scared to do it himself. Well, this buddy, wonderful tact, goes to the girl, says, hey, Jason says, take a hike. <laughs> what was that? That's a dynamic equivalent, isn't it? Is that the way he wanted to come across? No. Did the job, though. <laughs> Suffice it to say, there's not a faithful translation of the Bible into sign language. It can't happen. So how do you do it? You've got to train them. You've got to teach them. It's got to be on purpose. It's got to be Inten not intense, but it's got to be intentional. And you got to work with them. All right. So let's move on a little bit a bit deeper. Let's say you have a man, like I've worked with in Liberia, in Ivory Coast, and I've seen him in Gabon and in Cameroon. Here you got a 13-year-old boy. He doesn't know his name. He can't read. He can't write. He doesn't even know how to count. You can't ask him where he lives or who his parents are. He can't answer you. Win him to the Lord. That's your task for today. Can you do it? No? Can you do it? Well, ask your father. Can you do it? It's difficult, isn't it? Unless you've been trained to know how to do it, you, it's, it's very hard. Why? Because they're visual, but even sign language, he doesn't know sign language. He doesn't know anything. He's a completely empty slate. The idea of communications is completely foreign to him. Here's another question. Do you think God's just going to sweep him under the rug into heaven? Some of you have a heart of mercy and you'd like to think that. At least that's what I come across. The Bible says that all, are sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that, as pastor said this morning, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God, but here you've got a man who can't hear. How shall they believe on him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear of him without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Romans chapter 10. Your pastor dealt with all that this morning. So here you have a man, he doesn't know his name, he doesn't know anything, can't communicate, and your task is to win him to Christ. It's not going to be done overnight. That takes time. How do you do it? How do you even communicate to people like that? And, and it's one thing when you're dealing with one, it's when you're trying to teach him how to count, so you need stones, so you turn around to grab stones in the street, and there's four or five more staring you in the face. And I'm like, oh, wait. And just out of reflex, like, who are you? 
Oh, that's right. You don't even know sign language. All right, come join with him. And this guy doesn't know these people. And then you're trying to teach all of them. And then it's, don't teach a large group. Teach one, two, or three at the most. You teach more than three, you're going to be in trouble. And you just begin to work with them, work with them, work with them. I'll show you a little bit. A lot of you actually know more sign language than you probably do. If I had more time, I could use this guy who's sitting in the front row because I love using people who sit up front to describe things like a spiral staircase or a pyramid. And whenever I do that, without even thinking about it, you're going to start using your hands to, to do motions because you're going to think in pictures. I'm asking you to describe something. So how many of you can guess what this is? Again, these are not trick questions. Do not be afraid. Answer out loud. Walking, right? Okay, walking, 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 walking. So if this is walking, this is standing. This is, this is, this is. All right, this is, this is understanding. No, this is understand. This is a joke. Sorry, sorry. You were doing so well, I couldn't help myself. Um, again, deaf ministry, you can't take me seriously. Ask your pastor. So walking, you've got jumping, and then you got this. This makes them laugh because I'm white and I can't jump. And you've got all these different things. And then they begin to copy you, right? So it's like, oh, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up. My knees, sit down, stand up. Hop on one foot. Hop on both feet because I'm getting tired. And you're running and you're doing And what am I doing? I'm giving these meaning. I'm using, giving this meaning. This meaning. Why? What if I do this? What do you think I just did? I buried so you see this person, he goes down, I cover him up. Then what if I do this? That comes later. Because I'm not going to die and be buried and then rise again. Christ already did that. I will do it one day, as will all who have trusted in Christ. But you see, I'm building the road. I'm building the communication up. Say, so oh, we go over and we start with little things like grass. Don't start with colors. I did that. When you start going with colors, that's a, that, colors are a concept. Don't start with concepts. Start with definite things. Grass. Here, tree. You can kind of see a tree. If my fingers were longer, it'd be easier. If I painted them green, you'd kick me out. So, tree. And so if you have a bunch of trees, it's a forest. Right, right. You see, it's easy, it's simple, it's, it's not hard at all. And you begin to work and work and work. Why? Well, because you want to teach them about who hangs on a tree. You see over here, okay, here's a building, and here's a wall. This is a window. Can you guys kind of see a window? <laughs> you go over here, and that, that's a door. Right? Well, who's the door of heaven? 
You're not going in by the window. That's how a thief comes in. You're going through the door. All these things you're laying the foundation of. I'm giving them a language for the first time. It takes time. But boy, do they get excited. And then you can't get anything done. (laughs) We had one man. He was, Mark was what, 40, 42. He's learning for the first time. He gets so excited. He gets one week under his belt, and all the deaf have to listen to everything he's just learned. And he begins taking them and trying to teach them. Because he's just so excited. We want people like that to know of Jesus Christ. It's not that they're stupid. It's not that they're ignorant. It's not that they can't learn. It's just no one's taking the time. You say, it's great to go out and preach the gospel, and we do that. It's great to go out and hand out gospel tracts, and we do that. It's great to start churches, and we plan on doing that. I've had my hands in seven different church plants up in New England. But there are some things that take all your attention and all your time and all your focus, and God calls people to that. Because if you're not called, you're going to quit. That's why I said, if you're not called and you say, I'm going to do that, I'm going to talk you out of it real fast. Because I don't want you to try to join and get involved with the hearts and minds of these people and then quit and destroy what great things you could have accomplished. Now, not everyone's going to be working with the deaf. Not everyone's going to be church planners. We all have our parts. We can all go out and bring those lost people here, and we can all go and ask Christ, hey, touch their lives, and we can all do that. Will you pray for those of us who do the unthanking job of working with people like this, who don't know, who can't know, unless someone tells them. You say, man, it'd be great if I could just, hey, get saved, and I can move on to the next side, but he's got to learn, he's got to grow, and now I'm the only teacher he's got. So yeah, places like Gunta and Liberia. He says, yeah, we've got Bible, we've got preachers that preach the word of God, the truth of the word of God, and we've got deaf people right outside that, can't understand a thing that's going on. We will have people in Ivory Coast, and there are, there's actually a group of, of people in Ivory Coast, one of the top interpreters in the entire country, Chief Leonce, he, he's hearing, but he's one of the top interpreters in the entire country. He's a born-again, Bible-believing Baptist preacher. And he loves to share the gospel with, his, with the deaf. And, and those deaf will take gospel tracts and just canvas an entire neighborhood in an afternoon. Why? Because we have expectations for them. You know, they can learn, they can grow, they can share their faith, they can work, they can support a ministry. Not overnight, it takes time, but he grows them. But even working there, they're playing soccer, and there's a deaf boy comes out from the bush. He doesn't know what's going on, and so we have to stop, sit down with him, and do exactly what I was just doing down here. And from the foundation, start to build that up. So pray for us as we go, as we work in Africa. And Lord willing, we get to Gabon, those doors open up, and we can go in. But until then, we are busy working, praying, serving the communities that are deaf, that need to hear of Jesus Christ. It's not the job I probably would have wanted when I was growing up, but it's the ministry that God's broken our heart for, mine and my wife together. We both are trained. We both know sign language. 
Uh, we both have teaching English as a foreign language certificate. We've both been trained in linguistics and anthropology, studying cultures and all those sort of things. Culture shock's a real thing. We'll experience it, but we are trained to deal with it. We have a heart. God has called both of us, and we work together to reach these lost and dying people who not only live in a continent of darkness, but have lived all their lives in a world of silence. Would you pray that God breaks through that silence with the light of his word and with the sounding forth of his gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that these people will one day, as Isaiah says, in that day shall the ears of the deaf be opened and the eyes of the blind shall see. And they're going to praise God for all eternity, brothers and sisters with you in that body of Christ in heaven. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to turn it over to Pastor. Dear Father, we do again thank you for this time. We thank you for not just saving us and taking us out, but then willingly using us. We thank you for the ministry you had with this deaf man here in, in Mark and, and for giving the ministry over to us. We don't all work with the deaf, but we all have someone who needs to know of Christ. So give us bold strength and, and the spirit that cares and wants to touch their hearts and lives, sharing a gospel track, inviting them to church, and then going to you and saying, Lord, personally work with this person. And you can work with people in North Dakota and in Gabon at the same exact time. We praise you for that. We thank you for that. We ask that your name would be glorified in all that's said and done in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.